0: This podcast is brought to you by Minimal Productions. Producer Jim Menz.
1: Bail is refused. You're out of order. If
2: it pleases the court, to adopt this affirmation, please say the words "I do."
3: I do.
0: Nothing further from this
3: court. Given the serious nature of this offense,
2: this case is dismissed.
4: Welcome back to The Wigs. I am your host, Jim Minns. In this episode, the final for season two, The Wigs tackle the changes that the New South Wales government is proposing to sexual consent laws. These changes, if passed by Parliament, will require participants in sexual acts to seek active consent before engaging in those acts. It is a proposal that has divided the legal community and raises profound questions about the role of the criminal law. Oh my gosh, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, it's so fantastic to be back. And I almost don't recognise these people in front of me. been that long, but welcome to the Wigs, Felicity Graham. How are you?
3: I'm fabulous. Oh, Liam.
4: fantastic to hear that voice again. Those those tones in my ears. It's just it's great to have you back, Emmanuel Kukasharian. Jim, it's so good to see. you. It's so good to see you. So good. it's been too long, it's sir. Too long. And you know, uh, uh, you know, I can always count on you to be my counsel when things go wrong. Bless. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> and the mayor of Dubbo himself. Yeah, we've lost the deputy. He's gone. God. He's been promoted, Your Worship, Stephen Lawrence. (laughs) Mate,
1: I don't choose the titles,
3: but thank
4: you. That's what you said from day one. I don't choose the titles, but I will wear them gladly. Uh, look, it's fantastic to have the wigs back once more in the new studio. As I'm being pointed out, this is this is a, definitely an upgrade from us. We're a long way from the Como Kitchen now. It's uh, it's the big leagues. Uh, we've got
1: the wigs logo on the wall. On this
4: the is fantastic. Floor. This is fantastic. A lot of famous. we I mean, we
0: got to thank for this, Jim?
4: Uh, we get look. Anthony and Zanon, uh, Diamantina, fantastic, uh, taking us under their wing and. Um, We've got some exciting projects lined up with them. They're gonna they're gonna help us grow this show even more. And thanks to them, we get to have access to facilities like this. So thank you, Anthony and Zanon. It's great to have you guys a part of the Wigs team. Mm. Is it gonna be, uh,
1: hmm. It's gonna be mugs.
4: Oh, I reckon there'll be everything now. Yeah. It's all on the oh, cards. the merch. The merch. Mate, we're going to take off. Unlimited. Absolutely. Uh, we have, But, you know, we, we, we have a lot to talk about because it's been a long time since uh, discussion. Actually, I just want to highlight one more thing. It was the one-year anniversary, this today, this episode, of our number one podcast in, a, in the country, wow. Mantle, which we quickly lost, but we held it. We definitely held that mantle, so congratulations to the Wigs... Wow, that's a year. ...for, you know, your previous accomplishments. Flies. I know. Can you believe it's Mm. a year? Black Lives Matter March was one year ago.
1: Mm. We sustained that jump, though, I think... Like we've got a big jump from that, yeah. And but we did sustain it in part.
4: But, but we just got to keep it up, guys. Got to keep it up. You know, mm. it's it's, it's, it's the holidays over. Let's let's keep it going. All right. <laughs> anyway, I'll save those pep talks for off air. All right, shall I? Thank you very much for being here. And the first person who's launching is Felicity Graham. I knew that. I knew it was you, Felicity. Take it away, Felicity Graham.
2: Thanks, Jim. We are talking first up about some recently announced changes to the law in the context of sexual assault and sexual touching type prosecutions. Mm. Let me just lay out a bit of background. In 2018, the Attorney-General asked the New South Wales Law Reform Commission to review this area of law and make recommendations in relation to any reforms that might be appropriate, particularly in light of some community concern about a case concerning an accused, Mr Lazarus, Lazarus. Oh, rather. yes. Yeah. And uh, the complainant in that mm. case, Saxon Mullins, who has been advocating for a change to the law as a result of what happened in that case. Mm. So just a quick snapshot of what happened in that case. Um the allegation against Luke Lazarus was that he had sexually assaulted her in an alleyway behind a nightclub in Sydney's King's Cross. Mm. Um, she went on to detail her experiences publicly in an interview with the Four Corners program of the ABC. The case had quite a long history through the courts. There was a trial, a retrial, mm. two appeals. The litigation lasted... Over five years. It was one
4: of the cases in my Crim law, course.
2: Okay yeah yeah, interesting. So the the central issues in the case were consent and Mr. Lazarus's knowledge that Ms. Mullins was not consenting. And in the two trials that occurred, the judges incorrectly applied the law on the knowledge issue. And then the Court of Criminal Appeal ultimately decided not to order a third trial on the ground that it would be unfair and oppressive to Mr Lazarus. So that um, was the end of the litigation. Mm. So that case involved a lot of or prompted a lot of community discussion and was, I guess, a platform upon which then the Law Reform Commission considered the issues The report goes on to acknowledge also the other context for their review, which includes a lot of public debate about sexual assault, sexual harassment, issues of consent in light of the Me Too movement overseas and around the world. And in the report they sort of frame part of their review by acknowledging that the traction that the Me Too movement has gained shows that the concern with what constitutes consent is real and far-reaching. So that's kind of the background and, I guess, the politics of what has then caused this review to happen. Then the other thing I think we should perhaps just frame for our listeners is the types of offences that we're talking about here. So we're talking about sexual assault Um, In its different forms, which can include aggravated forms and sexual touching, which used to be framed as an offence of indecent assault. Mm. Um, I think it's useful at the outset to just note that when we're talking about sexual assault, it's a crime where almost all offenders convicted of that offence go to jail for the offence. Over 95% of offenders receive a jail term and for an offence of sexual assault that doesn't involve an aggravated form of it, most offenders receive a jail term of about four to six or seven years. That kind of um, sentencing Scope mm. is at play. Sexual touching is a less serious offence; it can be dealt with summarily, even, and a range of different penalties are imposed, including non-custodial penalties. For okay. That type of offence. Does
4: that depend on the age range of the victim? Maybe.
2: It can. Obviously, offences that involve mm-hmm. um, children as victims have much more serious sure. penalties attached to them and much more serious consequences.
4: Mm. I would have imagined.
2: But when you're talking about adult um, offences. There is that. Bit of scope. That range. Right. Um, So the review started in 2018. At the end of last year, the Law Reform Commission, after consultation and receiving submissions from a range of uh, those in the sector who have an interest in the issues, they released their report. And then just recently... The Attorney-General, Mark Speekman, has announced the government's response to that, which in effect is to accept in principle all 44 recommendations made, mm. but then um, the government says that it is going to go further than what the Law Reform Commission recommended with some further reforms, including circumstances where it's deemed that there's not consent and also circumstances where it's deemed that an accused doesn't have knowledge or sorry has knowledge as to lack of consent and we need to really delve into the detail to kind of understand um, the import of the reforms and what is imposed but the
1: Probably worth talking about. What are the elements of sexual assault, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I think that would be useful. Do you That's want to run kind through of that, the Stephen? Of it, isn't it? Uh, sorry, yeah. Your Worship. Your worship.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah, so there's obviously aggravated versions of the offence, but the fundamental uh, elements of sexual assault would be that there's been an act of sexual intercourse, which is defined sort of broadly to include, to put it in crude terms, anything put in any particular place. Yeah, that's right. I remember, yeah. Yeah, so sexual intercourse has occurred, um, that the person upon whom it was performed did not consent, so that has to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt, Yeah, and then the third sort of broad element is uh, the mental element or the mens rea, which is that the accused either knew that they weren't consenting um, or knew that it was a real possibility the real possibility that they weren't uh, that's recklessness or in new south wales a third circumstance is where the accused did not know that they were not consenting but they didn't have a reasonable basis to think that they were consenting there that's, were no reasonable there were no reasonable grounds to believe, grounds that, to believe the that they were consenting, consenting. Yeah. so it's
4: the men's rea right elements here that have come up before the law reform commission, essentially. Look,
2: it's a bit of both, actually. It's a so, It's an interesting mixture. Yeah. yeah, it is an interesting mixture. So we'll go through them bit by bit. But the four main areas that the report concerns in terms of recommendations are, firstly, what should be the meaning of consent and what are the circumstances <coughs> where there is no consent? <coughs> Secondly concerning this issue of the mental element or the knowledge of an accused person in relation to lack of consent. Thirdly, um, should there be some changes to jury directions and how should they um, work? And fourthly, some, some changes to the meaning of sexual intercourse and some other changes around language and structure of the legislation. I think the first two are probably the most... Um, interesting and controversial uh, of the recommendations. So let's start with this recommendation that the Crimes Act should provide that a person does not consent to a sexual activity if the person does not say or do anything to communicate consent. So that's a chief recommendation of the Law Reform Commission, mm. which the government says it has accepted in principle. It's.
1: Is there an exposure draft of the bill yet? Or is this just a no. policy commitment,
0: basically? Mm. Yeah. Sorry, so did the Law Reform Commission recommend that?
2: That's correct. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, so does that mean that
1: you could have a situation where the person in fact consented in the sense that they were quite happy for the intercourse to happen, but they haven't done or said anything to communicate that, so therefore there's deemed to be no consent. Correct. Mm,
2: so it's a yeah. deeming provision that can cut across the actual state of play. Yeah. So It's so hard to, to
4: prove. I don't know.
1: I mean, the devil might be in the detail here as well in the sense that this is a broad policy commitment. It's going to be interesting to see how that translates in the hands of a legislative drafter. Mm. that, to me, seems quasi-observed.
4: But that was the key factor in the Lazarus situation, in that uh, nothing was said.
1: Exactly. But she was, in fact, not consenting.
4: She Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas
1: what this conjures up is the possibility that...
4: She did not consent, but it was not communicated, and that was his defence.
1: That's right. Whereas what this conjures up is the prospect of a person who, in fact, is a willing participant uh, in an act of sexual intercourse but doesn't say or do anything to communicate that, therefore there is a breach of the criminal law. Mm. Mm. And then it would be maybe a relevant consideration to whether the police charge or the DPP prosecute that, in fact, they were a willing participant.
2: Yeah, so the senior public defender, Belinda Rigg, SC provided submissions to the Law Reform Commission and one of the issues that she addressed was this very question. Um, In her submissions she said that the public defenders oppose the introduction of a deemed absence of consent where the person does not say or do anything to communicate consent and she refers to a number of the preliminary submissions that have been received by the Law Reform Commission and pointed out that how they had indicate that there are variations in sexuality that are profound and actual consent can exist with a whole range of explicitness in terms of expression of consent. And she goes on to say it's fundamentally wrong to deem consent to be absent, even if it is actually present. And that seems to be, I think, pretty um, difficult to criticise that position because... Oh, they'll
0: never charge it, though.
2: Well, no, that's, uh, I think that you can't, that's you can't what have put a criminal you. law yeah. that exists and can be charged in, mm-hmm. and is open to the discretion of police officers acting across the whole state with varying degrees of attitudes about whether they should charge or not at, and create an offence that... Carries, you know, 14 years to life um, as a maximum penalty. It's to achieve social
0: change. Mm. That's the goal here, isn't it? Is that we want people on pain of imprisonment to pause before every sexual act and seek consent.
2: The criminal law and virtue signalling through the criminal law is not the way to achieve social change. It's just, it's so dangerous. Oh, look,
0: I, my view is that there is an enormous problem that I, I believe the victims' advocacy groups, the survivor advocacy groups, when they say that there is an enormous problem here that needs to be addressed. What shocks me to no end is that the best that we can do is come up with this as the solution. Mm-hmm. And what we've done over the course of... 40 years, the 1980s is when their first real sexual assault reforms began, over the course of 40 years, we've tinkered and changed the law concerning sexual assault and the criminalisation of sexual acts, and nobody from any side of government has had the brains or the gall to come up with a solution. And all we get is this tinkering and, as you say, flick virtue signalling. This is There's a huge problem and we don't, and we get the politician syllogism, you know, this is, we need a solution, this is something that can be done, so this is the solution, and just forget it.
1: It's well, certainly very, it's very, also, sorry, it's very broad brush.
0: <laughs> it's very broad brush, too, in
1: this sense. And it's interesting how Belinda talked about this kind of range of sexual sort of experiences or acts or whatever. Because one situation that this is a very valid response to is those situations that, I think are pretty well known now in the criminal law and maybe in the community too where, and this I think happened in the Lazarus case, where you might have two people who don't know each other and a sexual act occurs maybe sometimes in a sort of unusual context um, and the woman freezes. Mm. And I've seen that, um, in, um, seen that in massage cases. been involved in a few cases, and I prosecuted one in Canberra years ago, where the masseuse... I mean, the course of the massage sort of inserts their finger in the vagina or whatever. And the the poor person who's getting the massage freezes Mm -hmm. and doesn't know what to do. And then often in these cases, they go out and make another appointment and they act as if it hasn't happened. And in the certain case I was involved in was only when it got publicised that this rash of other women came forward who'd had the same experience. And they had almost all being in this situation of laying there and then freezing. Mm. So these sort of reforms, I think, are a direct response to that sort of phenomenon. Mm. But it's a broad brush in the sense that it's a law that will apply to all acts of sexual intercourse potentially. So you'll have circumstances, for example, you might have people in a relationship where the freezing thing perhaps is not at play in the same way, where you might have acts of sexual intercourse occurring without any sort of indication of consent or otherwise that then after the fact can be falls under the categories yeah that's right yeah in circumstances where there may have been actual consent it's so interesting so it does yeah. create a potential for abuse but it's definitely at least in part or certainly motivated by a worthy social aim yeah but again i mean this goes back to your point flick like the criminal law in its minutiae as a set of rules, is not an effective instrument of social change. No, because and it's oh, tr- I, I really disagree. esoteric and no, people no, don't really on. know it.
2: Yeah. Well, that's true, but also I think... And it's, it's in...
1: minutiae. It's effective in the sense that we all know not to kill people. No, no, it's no, if... an effective disincentive to murder. But I don't know that tweaking consent laws is going to change behaviour. I'm not convinced.
0: You're a year nine kid in high school. Your two best friends are now doing three years jail because they didn't ask about consent. And pretty soon, people will get the message. Now, I actually, I, to be clear, I actually don't know whether or not this law is necessary. And I, I'm not necessarily against it. In fact, I'm waiting to see what the law is going to say. What I want to underscore is, though, is that this is such a fundamental shift that we need to have a real discussion about what we're talking about. Are you okay with little Johnny in year nine being carted off to prison for a couple of years in order to teach society this lesson. Maybe that is what is necessary, because that's what we're talking about doing. Right? Didn't
4: that already happen when they, were, when they reformed... Um, uh, kids were sending selfies that were of a sexualized nature to one another, and there was some sort of law reform that led to exactly what you're talking about you know, as a deterrent?
0: Yeah, I mean... Th- well, was that a reform or was that
4: just like they used to use the child... So child pornography... Pornography laws. Yeah, okay, laws, so they're already there. Oh, okay. Well, that was a bad thing. there's been
1: a lot of education about that. Because it was prevalent. From what I understand about what goes on at schools, that education's not necessarily that effective.
4: <laughs> right. But the consequences are exactly what Manny just brought up.
1: But this is different, though. And I'll tell you why this is different. Because, like, as a set of rules, it's one thing and it's extremely far-reaching and draconian and you might think that it might change behaviour but it won't because it won't be applied uniformly and there's not going to be mass prosecutions of, of every couples. single person yeah, yeah, yeah. that had sex in circumstances where there wasn't an active indication yeah, it of will consent. Be arbitrary. not going to happen. It's going to be the occasional mm-hmm. unfair miscarriage of justice mm. that occurs. And that's why the, these new rules as a normative proposition are not going to change behaviour, in my view. I just don't think they will. I don't think the minutiae of the criminal law has that effect. I wanna it might also, if there was mass prosecutions. Yeah. But I don't think there will be.
2: I want to also refer to what the Director of Public Prosecutions Office said on this because, you know... So was
1: he supportive of it? No. Mm.
2: So on the issues of, say, a freeze response... Um, The DPP said, look, that should be addressed through jury directions where the Mm. judge should explain and address these issues of so-called rape myths um, and explain that responses can include this freeze response and so that they can understand that that's not something that necessarily... But how is that effective
1: on the mens rea, though? Because the accused doesn't know about the freeze response necessarily, right?
2: Sure. So let, let's just leave the mens rea for a moment mm. um, in terms of just looking at the meaning of consent and oh, yeah. whether there is or not consent by one person. The DPP then also said the current definition is adequate and appropriate and it reflects a positive communicative model of consent that the current provisions have been in operation for more than 10 years and there's been very little appellate consideration, which is indicative of the provision being understood and working well. They also say, we consider that education about consent in schools, universities, sporting clubs and within the wider community is warranted and necessary in order to dispel rape myths and reduce sexual violence generally. And this would have a greater impact than any change to the Mm. law. And particularly addressing that issue about different types of sexual relationships that can exist, the DPP said our main concern with an affirmative consent model where there's this need to positively communicate consent for it to exist is that it would broaden the criminal law... As it does not reflect how all people behave in sexual encounters and it may not allow room for inference in a determination of consent, the affirmative model would be particularly artificial in the context of established sexual relationships as it is not reflective of sexual conduct within those relationships.
1: It would be hard for people in master-slave relationships. You know, those sort of kinky people that have each other on collars and leads. and. But if they consent? Maybe I you know, try- but in those ones there's no positive indication of consent, I would have thought. Mm. Like that's part of the kink, right? Mm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that but came up. There's pre-consent to. Yeah,
4: that came up in a case in my criminal law where people were into that sort of stuff, mm. and there was a, there was some sort of prosecution attempt, uh, but it got thrown out because they were willing participants. Mm. So you can't. There's no assault if there's a willing uh, participant.
1: Well,
2: Yeah, but in this case, right, even if the 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 complainant comes along and tells the jury, I was actually Mm. a willing participant, Uh I was agreeing to all of the sexual activities that occurred, the jury would be required Mm. to convict because there was no evidence that they positively communicated that consent.
0: Mm. Right. I mean, the devil's also going to be in the detail in the sense, and this is why I've refused to sort of take a view firmly on this, is that... It depends what they mean. So at the moment, you are charged with sexually... Each act is a different charge of sexual assault, right? And if you have a, even the shortest pause, say, in penetrative sex, and you go back again, that's a further act of sexual assault. So is the law going to require positive consent for each one of those acts? Is it going to be you can positive consent to a whole bunch of acts? is it going to be pre-consent Well, it's definitely not. not? That's
2: one of the recommendations. Is what? Mm. So that the definition of consent should provide that free and voluntary agreement to a sexual activity must exist at the time of the sexual activity so that you can't give pre-consent to, for example, um, one partner says to another, please wake me up from sleep by performing some kind of sexual touching on me or some kind of sexual act on me. You can't give that pre-consent.
0: So this is a fundamental shift in the way that certain sexual relationships are operating. And, I mean, again, I assume that there's significant evidence that this is necessary in order to prevent sexual assaults from occurring. Otherwise I imagine nobody would recommend it. It's not ideological, surely. Mm. But who knows? I, I haven't seen that evidence and I kind of keep atop
2: these things. Yeah, is
1: there much in the Law Reform Commission report about the, the sort of policy basis for it?
2: It just emerges from this notion that there's community concern around what consent is and this issue around knowledge as to lack of consent in the context of the Lazarus mm. case, the Me Too movement. They... Did analyse transcripts of some trials in the course of their research and review, but, um, and they also looked at data in terms of under reporting, the level mm. of convictions, um, and so on. But I suspect it's probably the same. There's case such, a d- such a range of conduct that can amount to a sexual assault. There are obviously. Scenarios where the question of consent and the question of knowledge as to lack of consent on the factual scenario presented are just not issues. In other words, if the complainant's version is accepted beyond reasonable doubt, it's just obvious that there was no consent and obvious that the accused knew according to one of the categories of knowledge that there was no consent. And the case
1: turns on a discrepancy of versions where... That's right. The where, EQ or... says that there was enthusiastic consent and the complainant says that there wasn't. Yes, and the so or... That it was violent. I mean, that's your typical sort of sexual assault case.
0: Oh, yeah, and if there's actual bodily harm, for example, consent yeah. and things like that fall away as issues. Mm. Though it's got to be
1: said, though, that I suspect in cases that never proceed to charges, whether because there's no complaint, at least initially, or police don't charge. Mm-hmm. Many of these sorts of cases might be in that category. So for example, a woman's the subject of a sexual assault in the sense that she didn't consent. There's been a freezing response. She hasn't complained because she's doubtful, perhaps in her own mind, whether it's, a, it's actually been a rape. Or whether it's going to be seen by the police or the court as a rape. Mm. So this could be a policy response to, a, to you know, this cohort of cases where complaints aren't made because of the very phenomena.
2: Mm. One of the things that I think troubles me. I don't me know what the evidence base is for that. Is that I wonder yeah. whether this policy response or this approach is responding to something that it can't actually fix, and that is to say this scenario where. One person who is participating in sexual activity is in fact not consenting and the other person participating in that sexual activity doesn't, to any of the necessary standards or proposed standards, know that the other person Mm. is not consenting. The person who is not consenting is obviously going to feel wronged and harmed And the person who, to any standard, doesn't have the knowledge as to lack of consent, shouldn't be held responsible Mm -hmm. for the offence of sexual assault in circumstances where they don't have that requisite mental state. And so you have this unsatisfactory situation where the criminal law can't address a situation and punish an individual participant in sexual activity who who genuinely mm-hmm. holds a state of mind that is reasonable and, um, or otherwise meets the criteria for the knowledge element such that they can't be held accountable mm. for it. But you have another person who has been genuinely wronged and harmed and might might suffer psychological harm as a result of the incident. But is this law trying to
1: punish the people who have sexual intercourse without that state of mind? Or is this law more about trying to change community understandings so that people don't end up in those situations anymore? Like, is it trying to inculcate in the community this understanding that unless you take active steps, it's going to be sexual assault? And yeah. if you don't take active steps, you should really be assuming a lack of consent.
0: Well, it's doing that by jailing people who don't. Mm-hmm. So it's achieving the latter through the former. And,
2: and I
1: think it won't achieve the latter.
2: I don't think it It'll will. It'll achieve the
1: former. I don't think it will achieve the latter. It's I, too It's too down in the details of the structure of these offences. It won't percolate through, I don't think. I,
0: I, look, I, I disagree. I think it will percolate through. I think that there will become, once people go to jail for these sorts of things, and people will go to jail I think it will percolate through and I, what what my question is is, is this necessary mm. and it may well be I, I don't know that it's not and what we're doing is we're changing the whole dynamic, we're saying to men and women and we're saying to everybody, look you are incapable of using intuition, you now have to speak so we're moving towards enforced speech so if you take the free speech spectrum, can be an act though, can't it? Well, it can be, yeah. But yeah. I'm using speech in the broader sense. You have to forcibly communicate on pain of criminal punishment to the party that you're engaging with. You have to do it at particular times, and so on. And this may, this may all be admirable goals, but I just I fear that the discussion about it has come down to this kind of you know tough, tough on crime. You know, victims need help. Perpetrators need to be punished. When really, what we should be saying is there is this problem that you identified, Cleek That there are there are real, genuine victims and survivors who are suffering really, and there are people who don't know what's happening. And the question is: is the best way to deal with that to jail those people, or can we maybe come up with a better idea? Mm.
1: You know. Mm.
3: So have you guys you done next-
1: cases where this has come up? In terms of the whole case is hinged on the question of the reasonableness of a belief that there was consent when in fact there wasn't. Mm. I've only done one where that might have been, there were certain directions on it, and that might have been what the jury ultimately made the decision based on. Only one, though. I've done quite a lot of rape trials.
2: Yeah, I can't think of any that <clears throat> engage this particular issue.
4: Lazarus was particularly <coughs> strange enough to be on my syllabus list. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know... Hard no, cases <clears throat> made bad law, right? Right. And, you know, that's... It's such a... I mean, there's a reason why it ended up on Four Corners and was such a lightning rod because that case raises this... You can see that case from two perspectives, you know, like... His perspective is he's this young guy, he's in this club, he's been drinking, meets this hot girl, they go out the back, he's like, awesome, you know, this is happening. Then her perspective is like this totally unexpected event Mm. where she froze, she didn't know what to do, Mm -hmm. she was a virgin, I think she was 18 or whatever she was. 19,
2: 18 or 19, yeah. And
1: that, you know, it plays out in court after the fact and those two perspectives are kind of illuminated and understood But as the event happens, you know, there's a real question about whether he had a mens rea that warranted criminal punishment. Mm. turned out that he
2: didn't. I mean, it's interesting to think about another way of dealing with this, which is to say, okay, let's have a criminal offence where there's effectively no mental element for the accused and it's just a crime to have sexual intercourse or sexually touch someone (coughs) where there's a lack of consent. Full stop. They're the only two elements. And... And have a lower Make opinion. it a summary offence, mm. make it an offence that carries two years jail where most people um, don't see a day in jail. But that proposal, the DPP sort of engaged with that proposal in their submissions and they ended up sort of saying, look, we can kind of see both sides. Trivialises the act. Exactly, of and the it problems. could cause this kind of hierarchy of... Um,
1: charge negotiations and charge negotiations,
2: and also a sort of hierarchy of victimhood mm. in circumstances where that might be very unpalatable to to victims that they um, so I, kind I, of are treated as only being subject to a lesser a lesser type of offence.
0: I mean, that already exists in the sense that there are already aggravated forms of offences, but... Yeah,
2: but generally between sexual assault and aggravated sexual assault, I mean, you're still talking multiple years in jail for any offender convicted of those offences. You're not talking about the question between, say, six years in jail and a 12-month bond.
0: I just think that whatever the solution is, it needs to include a non-criminal option. Mm. We need to empower complainants to take control over their own lives and the prosecution that flows from them. If, if I mean, come and listen to victims' impact statements at the end of heavy sentences and hear survivors talk about the effect that the mm-hmm. criminal justice system that has had on them and then come outside and hear them talk about what they don't like to talk about, what some of them talk about, which is they've been dragged around into this process against their will in some times, perhaps against their wills putting it too high, but in circumstances where they were reluctant to participate, and so on, there is undoubtedly times where we need to be jailing for long periods of time people who commit these offences. But my view is that we should just be taking a step back from this law and order narrative and saying, how can we empower survivors to get the best outcomes for them as a different question To how do we punish and put in jail the people who need to be? But the
1: problem with that, right, is this fundamental principle in the criminal law, which is that your wrong, your crime, is not a crime against the complainant. It's a crime against the social order. It's a crime against the state, which is why the state prosecutes it. And, you know, I think that's why in respect of serious offences, there's always been this reluctance to... Engage in diversionary restorative schemes, justice, restorative justice, all those sort mm-hmm. of things that do empower complainants, but longer term, erode you know the maintenance of the social order. I think is the other argument.
0: Uh, I'm saying let's have a discussion that goes beyond a law reform commission looking at criminalization and associated mm. things. Let's have a whole of government and whole of society. Let's get the people from education talking about it. Let's get the people from housing talking about it because we all know the sort of stuff that have, we get, I mean, I don't know, I've had briefs where you know people who come from impoverished backgrounds have put through hell, sexual hell, and often can't even complain about it. Mm. It touches every aspect of our society and looking it through a criminal lens is no longer enough. Mm. Mm. Could be a mitigating
1: factor in sentencing too. Like, if you plead guilty, you admit your crime, which is what most complainants want, by the way, fundamentally. They want an admission and accountability. And then you fall into this category of a lack of knowledge, then maybe that could be a substantial mitigating factor on sentence. Mm. In the sense of no jail or something. Mm. Mm.
2: One of the other recommendations that goes to this issue of whether there is consent or not is that the Law and Commission recommended that the Crimes Act should provide that a person does not consent, i.e. deem non-consent, even if there is actual consent, to a sexual activity if the person is unconscious or asleep. Now, there's already in the current state of the law a similar scenario, but it's not determinative or deemed in this proposed way. The current law has this idea that someone doesn't consent if they haven't had the opportunity to consent because of sleep. Um, But that permits or would permit a scenario where someone gives pre-consent to their partner, their sexual partner, performing sexual acts on them, sexual touching or sexual intercourse, which includes things like um, fellatio and cunnilingus and touching while you're asleep.
1: And that would include relationships where that's a normal way to wake up your partner,
2: for example. Mm. And so on two scores under these proposals, that would become a crime because one, you can't give pre-consent under that other recommendation, and two, you're deemed to not be consenting because you're asleep.
4: Which, you know, you can see which target that arrow is trying to hit.
1: Totally. <laughs> but It's like the people who go to a party and end up crashing down in bed and don't know each other.
4: One scenario. All of a sudden, yeah, you know, got it. I get it.
1: <laughs> it's no, not it, meant to apply to husbands and wives who do that regularly, but it and will.
0: And yet, yeah, yeah. it does. Sorry, I, I, I understand this to be part of the same proposition, which is, We want to change the way people have sex. And we want, in every case, for people to stop and say, Do you consent to this? You know,
2: but that's different to you can't perform any sexual touching
0: on someone who's asleep
2: or sexual intercourse on someone who's asleep. You can't touch your partner's breasts.
0: No, it's not. No, because what we are trying to achieve is the fundamental change that sex is always preceded by speech. That's the change that's proposed. Or active conduct. Well, active conduct. When I say speech, I mean speech in the broader sense, right? That's the change.
2: Speech or speech Speech,
0: acts. Speech or speech acts, right? That's the change that they want to achieve. Mm. Now, that may be a laudable policy goal. I don't know, as I say. But that's the change. And if you permit people to pre-consent, then you're not going to achieve that change. Mm. I don't reckon that is the goal. I think
1: that's one interpretation of a situation where everyone would be in compliance with the criminal law. But that's not the same thing as saying that it's the goal. I think the goal is to catch certain categories of conduct and allow them to be effectively prosecuted. And I think as part of that purpose, they know well that they will not achieve this social change.
3: Mm.
1: It'll just make certain outlier cases easier to prosecute. Mm. That's what I think. I, I mean, think you that, might that, be it, right. Game. It,
0: it's horribly cynical though, <clears throat> if that's what they're doing, because they're creating a broad offence aiming not to prosecute parts of it, which is just
2: well, that has to be rubbish what will law happen, reform. Because there will have to be offences that are committed regularly under these proposed changes that are never prosecuted.
1: Hmm. Well, yeah, 100%. Because people at the moment who are in... I mean, mostly
2: because people will not report them because they will not perceive themselves to have been offended against. And they
1: won't know that it's a crime because people aren't on top of the minutiae of the criminal law.
0: No, but there will be a category of people where they were in fact consenting at the time and then subsequently they changed their mind about
2: that. Mm. That and that's report. the abuse potential, or they have the some motivation. Yeah, to or it's a divorce. Yeah, their partner it's a divorced a
4: couple. It's a that's family right. court
1: proceedings or whatever. Yeah, mm. and there'll be people out there who will be thinking as they listen to this that we're using extreme caricature arguments to sort of shoot down the validity of the law.
0: But those situations do occur. Yeah, not only do they occur, I'm not saying that that's a reason why the law. I'm saying that may well be a reason to justify the imposition of this law. That is. If what you're after is the behavioural change, that's what you have to do. You have to prosecute those people. And that, that may be a laudable goal. Mm. So I, I don't want to be seen to be undermining the law by saying that. No, you're saying well, there should be a broader... I think the
2: law is undermined undermined by that scenario.
0: Well, yeah. Do you want to see a broader uh,
4: a policy, policy approach that includes educational elements to uh, attack the problem... In that regard. At the expense of
2: the liberty of citizens who haven't done something morally wrong.
0: But what about the liberty of the complainants and the the victims? No, but hang on. We have a problem in our society. Uh, That is the fundamental proposition that I start from. Yeah, but this doesn't fix it. Okay. Well, it will fix it. Whether or not it fixes it, well, if I it's think it's vigorously will, right. prosecuted it might If, if it's vigorously, <laughs> if, if it's not, if this isn't cynical, vigorously if enough. they mean what they're trying to do mm. and they throw the resources at it, it will fix that problem. Mm-hmm. The cost may be too much for people to bear, mm-hmm. which is a whole other question. Mm. And my, my my stick is, what I'm saying is, let's just take a step back and see whether or not there's a better way to do this mm-hmm. that doesn't come with those costs. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Right? Yep. Uh, but, but and in doing that, we have to face the costs. We have to face those costs in the face, and they are those things that people might say, "Oh, you know, oh, nobody makes up in place. Of course, people do, mm. right? And we have to face that and craft our laws to deal with that. And if the price is worth paying, it's worth paying. But let's talk about it.
2: Mm. One final recommendation on this issue of the definition of consent, worthy of discussion that the crimes act should provide that a person does not consent to a sexual activity if the person participates in the sexual activity because of a fraudulent inducement and the law reform says that this recommendation the law reform commission rather says that this recommendation is intended to cover <coughs> any circumstances in which participation is dishonestly procured by a false representation or upon a false pretence known by the maker to be false when it was made so... So nothing about
1: the quality of the act? No. That's so interesting.
2: Stephen Odgers, who's a silk at Manny's chambers, Forbes' chambers, wrote an article in the Sydney Morning Herald. He's a Sydney barrister. Tread carefully on sexual consent. Some of these, quote, reforms, unquote, are dangerous. And this was one of the issues that he identified as problematic. So he... Talked about this scenario. Assume that a person says to another falsely, I'm not married, or I will leave my current partner, mm. and that induces the other person to participate in sexual mm. activity. Such dishonesty may be morally wrong, Odgers says. However, it's not usually a crime to tell fibs or even to tell blatant Mm. lies. Does the government really support the principle that any lie told to procure sexual activity will constitute a serious criminal offence?
4: Yeah, that's a bit weird, that
1: one. There was a case recently in Canberra where obviously the laws are a bit different to here where a male prostitute had a rendezvous with a client. The client didn't pay and... The victim reported it to the police and they were able somehow to prove that he never intended to pay. And I don't know how they proved that, but they did. And he, I think he might have pleaded guilty, this block. I'm not sure, but he was definitely found guilty um, or convicted of sexual assault in circumstances where there was no question about understanding the nature and quality of the act and consenting to that act. Mm. But it was based on this concept of a fraudulent misrepresentation, vitiating consent, which is such a departure because the law as I understand it broadly around this used to be that it would have to be a deception that went to the nature and quality of the act. So, for example, a doctor who's in pursuit of sexual pleasure who inserts an implement into the vagina, that will be sexual assault if that only occurred because the victim thought it was a medical procedure. Mm. So there was a misunderstanding of the actual nature of the act. Whereas, yeah, this broadens it into, yeah, as I just says, Mm. like you meet someone in a bar, tell them a whole load of bullshit about yourself Mm. and successfully bed them and all of Mm. a sudden that's rape because they never would have had sex with you if they knew that you were married.
2: Mm. So Belinda Rigg also addressed this in her submissions for the PDs, the public defenders. And some of her comments include: sexual and romantic relationships are lubricated by a great deal of flattery and self promotion and playful puffery. An unfortunate puffery. use of
1: the word mm. sure is. Okay.
2: Thanks, Fleek. Well, anyway, and then. Um, We're not she meant said, to make
1: jokes on topics like this. Everybody, We've I didn't warned about that. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, it was me. That,
4: that was your yeah. worship.
2: So then, then Belinda says the proposal on its face would cover sexual activity induced by lies about whether one person loves the other, is single, regards the other as the most beautiful, interesting, intelligent person he or she has ever met, whether the person is interested in poetry, books, sport, is widely travelled, is wealthy, is a writer, has not been able to stop thinking Isn't about bad. the other person, is a virgin, has only had one previous sexual partner, etc., etc.
0: Yeah, that one's a bridge too far. People are looking at me. I, I look, I, again, what do you think, Manny? Do you again, support that I land, recommendation? I land at what we are talking about is changing fundamentally the way that people relate sexually. And if we're going to go towards a model that requires people to speak, then it's a natural extension of that model that we require them to speak honestly. Mm. And that's what we're talking about now. Do I think that's a good thing for society to require people to be completely honest about everything to the point where, on the face of it, you you, ca- you know, people who are people who lie about their partnerships, you know, I'm not married. Um, like who can f- cares? I'm a, How a, is
3: that
1: a criminal? I'm offense? a lawyer,
0: right? I I have a good job. I'm wealthy. Those sorts of things. That, right? Sorry, um,
2: sorry. So so is yeah. that is that should that be a crime? I don't think it should be brought within the ambit of the criminal law. I don't see how People it relates. Be... <clears throat>
0: well, let's test it. How many years jail should you do for saying to somebody something dishonest, that, saying that you're unmarried, that gets someone to come to bed with you? I mean, it is pretty objectionable conduct. It's though.
1: pretty horrid. Yeah, I'd be pretty... I mean, that would not probably never be a threshold issue for me personally in terms of whether I consented it to something, but... <laughs> um,
4: Oh, was that a was that a poll? I'll Sorry,
1: but <laughs> it is pretty potentially quite objectionable conduct. I mean, I can imagine people, for example, that have very strict ideas around sort of sexual morality and monogamy and marriage yeah. and stuff like that, who might feel thoroughly um, offended against by the notion that they're slept with a married man, for example. Sure, but mm. I just wonder whether the the nature of that conduct is such as to warrant criminal conduct or such. Uh, it's yeah it's i don't th-
4: i i think uh, can you is it possible to mentally persuade someone through fraud to bed against yes. their will
0: well you have command. i'm just asking yeah, I mean, surely you can lie, you can say that you're the richest person yep, in the world. Yeah, yep. no, 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 I, I, know yeah. I know that it's possible.
4: I know that it's possible. Is it an offence? Yeah, it does appreciate consent. Well, yeah, currently, and, and like, I would argue no, because the person still has control over the actus reus, right?
1: Yeah. The Vic, they know the, the nature and quality of the act.
4: Right. Mm. So you could just walk away. I, I just don't see how, that, how, it's, how it should be... I mean, I don't know. You guys are the experts. Well, because
0: so you, you suffer pain, right? You, when you find out the truth, you suffer so much pain.
2: Do you suffer, you suffer so six years pain. of jail worth of pain?
0: Well, you're presuming that that's the sentences that would be imposed for an act like that.
2: Well, right? okay, you, jail of some kind. Well, well maybe I not. I don't I mean, think the maximum
0: penalty changing, is it? No, but that doesn't mean that the quality of the act isn't taken into account on in sentence. Just to give a Germain Greer-type perspective... I mean, are we now in the
1: territory where what we're actually dealing with is some resurgence of Victorian-era ideas around sexual morality and sexual conduct, where we're elevating crimes that are concerned with sex in a way that is, um, yeah, drawing on actually outdated ideas about sex and sexual... I don't know.
4: I just know that the response to the Lazarus case was outrage... And, uh, it, and I, I feel like it's led to this.
0: You used to be able to commit mm. rape in, in response to his worship's question. You used to be able to commit rape by, say, consensually taking an unmarried woman away from her house and having sex with her yeah. without her father's permission. So, I, I mean, we're not talking about that. I want to make that 100% clear. But that I think is the sort of thing that you're talking about. That's the German I we we're starting to get these yeah, kind that of that
1: we're infantilizing women basically.
2: Well I think that it does really you know it, it really challenges me because if there's a scenario where there is in fact consent, isn't it very demeaning for the law to deem that there's not consent? Mm. I think it really undermines the sense of autonomy that people have. Um and because this is a gendered problem. It engages, I think, this issue that it is demeaning to women to some degree, more so than men.
1: Mm. Yeah, the other German. I don't know. I really
2: struggle with it. <clears throat> I Obviously, we need to deal with the major social problem that we have of sexual violence and... The power structures and the way that the patriarchy affects women in this disproportionate way in terms of being victims of sexual violence and the way that the system then can re-traumatise people and make a complaint, you know, even make things worse, I guess, than even... The experience of sexual assault through having to go through a court process but is there
1: too much focus on trauma though because the German greer perspective is also that these policy responses are all informed by this assumption of a very high degree of trauma and she said some really controversial things where she's rejected the idea that these acts innately are necessarily highly traumatic
3: mm.
1: and you know, I don't know if she's talked about this, but I've heard someone else talk about this, that you might have someone who's a victim of a very horrible, violent assault, unprovoked in a club, they're glassed or something. The criminal law, in terms of sentencing and so forth, will recognise their trauma, sure, but there's not all this jurisprudence and assumptions around a high degree of trauma necessarily being assumed. Mm. And so she sort of attacks it from that point of view that... And she kind of looks at that in the sense of these assumptions of trauma are infantilizing um, and demeaning of women and not always reflective of the reality. But it is interesting. I don't necessarily sort of agree with all of that, but I think it is definitely true that trauma assumptions are driving a lot of this. Mm. And it's sort of interesting to think about the evidence base for that too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know, and I've read a fair bit about all of this. and I don't know what, how you can come to that con- it may well be the correct conclusion, but I just haven't seen the real detailed research that underpins those, con- and it may be out there. I haven't I've, I've looked and I haven't found it. There's certainly lots of bodies of sort of critical analysis that suggest that that's where it lands, but that's something different to some sort of psychological, genuine assessment of the Mm. harm. Mm.
2: So let's move on to the recommendations and the government's approach to this issue of lack of... Sorry, knowledge as to lack of consent. So we're talking about the mental element now of an accused person. And I think the first two are pretty straightforward. So where the Crown can prove an actual knowledge of lack of consent, that meets the criteria and that can expose someone to... Uh, criminal conviction and punishment where the other um, the other elements are also proven.
1: And an obvious example of that is going to be an act of sexual intercourse preceded by a violent struggle exactly. and subjugation, what you might think of as your sort of typical sexual assault case.
2: Mm. Or active resistance mm. verbally and physically um, by... The victim.
1: And if the jury accepts that version, then they will almost inevitably find that you knew that that person was not consenting.
2: Yeah. Mm. Then the second category is the recklessness category. So you turned your mind to the possibility that they weren't consenting and you went ahead anyway, Mm. that kind of scenario. The third category is the one that's the subject of some recommendation by the Law Reform Commission. The current state of the law, um, which is in Section 61 HE of the Crimes Act and kind of codifies what these different knowledge elements are, is that a person um, knows that the alleged victim does not consent to sexual activity if... person has no reasonable grounds for believing that the alleged victim consents to the sexual activity. The Law Reform Commission is recommending um, a change to that so that it will be the accused is taken to know that the alleged victim does not consent to the sexual activity if any belief that the accused has or may have that the other person consents to the sexual activity is not reasonable in the circumstances. Odgers refers to this as um, similar to a test of negligence and he then says this, even accepting that it's appropriate to impose criminal liability on the basis of negligence, it's plainly desirable that this be done by a separate offence with a lower maximum penalty. The current maximum penalties for sexual assault offences range from 14 years to life imprisonment.
1: Um, So does this idea of seeking active consent come into this limb as well?
2: It does, because what the government has said is that there will be a further deeming provision that an accused person's belief in consent will not be reasonable in the circumstances unless they said or did something right. to ascertain consent. And so that's this kind of affirmative yeah. consent model. So it's tweaking the the knowledge element as it is but then deeming that that knowledge... Um, is made out in circumstances where you haven't said or done something to ascertain mm. consent.
1: So just going back to the current state of the law, so at the moment, if you're dealing with a situation where they didn't know the person was not consenting, they weren't reckless, but they didn't have, or the question is whether they had a reasonable basis for her belief that the person was consenting. At the moment, you can't take into account self-induced intoxication, can you? In considering whether there was a reasonable basis, I think that might have been the error um, in Lazarus, wasn't it? That yes, you can take it into account in one respect, but not in the other respect. Yeah, yeah. So is that going to change, do you know, Flick?
2: Yeah, so the current state of the law is this, that for the purpose of making a finding about knowledge, the trier of fact must have regard to all the circumstances of the case, including any steps taken by the person to ascertain whether the alleged victim consents to the sexual activity, but not including any self-induced intoxication of the person. And I note here that the current state of the law requires the jury or a judge in a judge-alone trial to take into account any evidence of any steps taken by the accused to positively ascertain mm. consent, and also that the Director of Public Prosecutions supported the law remaining as it is. The same um, for the public defenders. So the two key bodies that do by far the the bulk of. Do the PDs run seats trial?
0: Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they run sex
2: trials. Okay. We used to brief them at the ALS. Yeah.
0: Oh, I mean, obviously they run some. I don't know They definitely they do, they do in the country. I mean, certainly
2: but the DPP anyway. I mean, they yeah. do all of them. Yeah. yeah. And them, yeah. it's not supported by the mm. DPP that there should be this deeming provision. I mean, we're not talking about a tribunal of fact not being able to have regard to whether or not positive steps were taken to ascertain consent. And in this particular circumstances of a case where there's no evidence of positive steps having been taken, the tribunal of fact being permitted to find that it wasn't, um, that there were no reasonable grounds for believing that the alleged victim consented. We're talking about when we're, I just, yeah, we're deeming a knowledge element. I just, I'm really troubled by it.
0: Again, it's what I, I think this is further evidence of my proposition that it's actually a policy shift towards mandating a conversation prior to every sexual act. So you're about to have oral sex with somebody. You have to say to them now. So the the, the no, first part it. of this is, the first part of this is, they have to say to you or indicate to you that they consent. And if they don't, they're not consenting. This aspect of it is you have to ask them, because if you don't, then you lack the protection of the mm. of, of of the cons- of believing reasonable their basis. consent. Mm. You lack the reasonable basis. But it also so you've got means two parts that of that.
2: It, it applies per act. So yeah, touching of the breast, touching of the bottom, touching of even perhaps, you know, the mouth or kissing, then, you know, one sexual act might occur, sexual intercourse, oral sex or something, then vaginal sex or anal sex, and if oral sex occurs again, for each of those... Is that
1: clear, though? Because doesn't it talk about the sexual activity? Might that not...
0: It's a draft... This is a drafting issue.
1: Yeah, this is is an important drafting issue. But, I mean, it... it Because that could lend itself to... A more overall kind of
3: sense.
0: Mm. But, I mean, if, if it even if they were to draft it the way that... The, ..in what we're talking about, in that extreme way, that would again be in accordance with the policy, which is you have a discussion. And it may be... I mean, I know we're talking about no pre-consent, but surely nobody's going to be prosecuted if they have a discussion that goes, look, for the next hour or the next four hours, we're going to engage in anal, oral and vaginal sex... Um, until unless one of us says no, right? Now you have that discussion, and then you move to the next step. That, I think, is the change that these policies are trying to affect. So a friend of mine recently
1: in Dubbo had this idea of developing an, an app where you recorded your consent in advance, and then about a month later... The police commissioner came out and announced that he thought that was a good idea. I heard about this. And me and my friend were, we were sort of laughing about how he has so many good ideas and he should have copyrighted it and he might have become rich. But we had this interesting discussion about this came out when Mick Fuller sparked that public discussion about the fact that that could then be used against complainants in the sense that you might be a person who is going to have sexual intercourse with someone, you get them to agree on this act to consent. But you've and done it by fraudulently appropriation. Well, or if by and then force. all of a sudden, things change and they want to withdraw the consent. Yeah, you're, and you know, you're, holding you're the you know, your demeanor might change, <laughs> certain things in the minutiae of course. the interaction change, they change their mind. You've got evidence that they of that consent. Of course. To. So it could actually be abused in that sense. Absolutely. And that's maybe an in- interesting perspective in thinking about these really prescriptive criminal laws that are trying to get people to put things on the record in advance? Well, Is think, there a potential
0: for this to backfire? I, I think I think Mick Fuller copped a lot of... And, and I don't know that anyone would describe me as a fan of Mick Fuller, but I, I think he copped a bit of undue flack for that because that's going to happen anyway. There are going to be people under this regime who pull their mobile phones out and make recordings of consent. That would be what any sensible yeah. person would do prior to engaging in sexual activity with a new partner for the first time. It's probably
1: already happening. To it, of course.
4: Because it's so transactional with the whole dating apps and the, you know, yeah. what is it called? Uh, um,
0: oh, shit. Tinder. Yeah. Tinder. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but I, I think your I relationship's think I point is, is validly made. The the, the, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it, um <laughs> It's it does run well placed so you. so what we what we're going to create is and there's going to be a few of these where people are acquitted who are genuinely guilty of quite nasty forms of sexual assault where they pre-record the consent yeah. then they go and do horrible things and they turn up at court with this mm, nice oh, little fuck you, got this. consent mm. and it's going to be very hard for complainants to get past that mm. and so tinder I, I, might even build something into the app of course and if somebody will come up with an app and the other fear that I have is with this is that it's going to change the nature of the of the quote-unquote inquiry that is conducted in a criminal trial from what the accused did and what was in the accused's mind to what the conduct of the complainant was. And that, I have understood, is what we've been trying to get away from. Mm. We've been trying to get away from, oh, you didn't say, you know, mm. and what we're going to have is, is accused making... Allegations about what the complainant did Mm. and the complainant being drilled down deep onto those Mm. sorts of things. So this Mm. is
4: almost the opposite of what Stephen said at the start of the show where he said the minutiae is not understood by the general public at large and all it takes is an accused to understand the nature of the criminal law in that sense and hold that over the victim and take advantage of it because they would know that the victim doesn't acquire that knowledge. Mm. You know, and and is able to gain consent. Know that they're covered should anything occur later on, and then, like you
0: said, perform abhorrent acts. Yeah, risk I mean, free. I, I trust those who've come up with this idea have considered all of these options. Well, well you would hope and so, have, so, and have set those. I haven't seen it, but I assume it's all set out somewhere where they've gone through and gone. We know this is a risk, but it will be dealt with. I mean, I mm, I, I hope that's that. what's happened, and I imagine the drafters and the and the attorney are considering all these things now. I mean. But that's what we're talking about. We've got to look into this stuff and hopefully the drafting reflects it.
2: Mm. I mean, I'm just deeply troubled by the government announcing reforms that go beyond what the Law Reform Commission recommends that is against the position of the Director of Public Prosecutions who conducts all these prosecutions Deals with all of the complainants who come through the court process is eminently qualified to comment on these issues, and the DPP says no. There should be reference to taking steps. There should that should be a relevant aspect of ascertaining of, of determining whether there was this relevant knowledge element, but. We do not support a requirement that people take steps to ascertain consent. It would be an artificial requirement, not reflective of the reality of sexual encounters. It may place an unfair burden on an accused and would replace a communicative model with an affirmative one, which we do not support. Mm. It couldn't be clearer. And I,
1: and what I think the DPP is mindful of there is the many parts of the community where people are just outside of the public discussion. You know, mm-hmm. you know, young people growing up—they don't have all the knowledge that you have when yeah. you're a fifty-year-old criminal lawyer. Well, what's the average marginalized age? Marginalized people, of- mentally ill people—all these different people out there, people who don't think about these things at all—that are just outside of this discussion, effectively. Totally. You know?
4: And with the 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 dra- I mean, um, what's the average age of the um, respondents here the, the, that you've got in front of you? Like, who are the DP? Is it the DPP who said who's happy with the with the proposed changes. There's a bunch
1: of barristers who have taken a different position. Who are they? To the Bar Association position, and yeah. they wrote a letter supporting these
2: reforms. And how conflict. old are they?
4: What's the average age?
2: They're all silks. They're all silks. Are they're all they silks. So they're the average they age, all silks. 50s. Okay. Aren't they? No. Well, you've got the list there, Stevie.
4: 50 plus. What I'm saying is, like, is their nighttime routine quiet enough that they wouldn't see beyond they're the scope?
2: They're all silks. They're all silks. No, they're not. Yeah, they are.
1: No, they're not. Why would you do this sort of statement and only get... Oh, no, they're not, sorry. No. The most... Simeon Beckett's on it. I thought Simeon Beckett was his help. There's no SC after his name here. He's the oh. only one on there who does not have SC after his name. And I thought Simeon was his help. <coughs> He's Thomas. a guy at Morris Byers. Man, don't there's don't not... Know. Yeah, there is. No, there's
4: not where. Look. We're, uh, we're having a... Um... Is he, not docu- a, he, is he or is he not a silk?
1: Oh, Miko Kuma's not a silk. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Look,
0: I again, I, 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 to to sure the DPP took that position. And to those of us who come from a place with legal with with criminal experience, the DPP's position is is the soundest one. But what we're talking about again is a change in the way that we order our society that people are trying to affect. Yeah. And for good, at least ostensibly for good reason, because people are suffering. Now, whether or not we want that change,
1: I don't know. Well, I'm not sure that a bunch of civil silks are the best people to form a view about the efficacy of the criminal law to educate the community, because... If, if them signing this letter is based on the assumption that these changes are going to change community attitudes and understanding in a broad way about these matters, I think they're wrong. And I think they're out of touch.
0: Yeah, I, I think it will. And why didn't they ask me if I wanted to is, sign this? Hmm. <laughs> I think because they knew you were going to Did talk about it tonight. You, no. A journalist asked me what, <laughs> what, what the connection between all of these people are. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. It's a cult. <laughs> Flicky,
1: were you asked to sign this letter? I was not. So, how is this letter sort of done? Do you think?
2: I don't know. Should we tell people what's in it? I don't even know, don't know what you're talking about.
1: These people. Okay, okay, no, okay. Can I, I, think,
4: can I, I guess? guess. I've got a position. number of one of these. People. Can I just guess that you're referring to a letter that supports the proposed changes signed by a whole host of silks who didn't ask us, who didn't ask you guys, the 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 criminal experts, criminal law experts. Sorry, not criminal. Well the criminal law experts uh and you're saying they only deal in civil matters so the civil it, let's civil, civil. well, well
0: it that's it not it is some exclusively, criminal yeah and
2: some of them do do some crime
0: let's take let's take a step back sometime whenever it was tim game sometime previous president of the bar association mm-hmm. uh put together the bar's response to the law reform commission inquiry um which, of course, took the position similar to that taken by the DPP, right? Mm-hmm. When this matter, and so in, in the course of doing that, he, of course, consulted widely with his various committees of the Bar Association that feed up. It's not like the Presidents just make the decision off their own back. Mm-hmm. Um, once the Attorney-General made his announcement on these policies, the incumbent President, Michael McQSC, came out in accordance with what had been said previously by the Bar Association, did you say what? We, we don't support, we don't support we don't this. Support this. Hmm.
4: Off the back of the committee and elements that the bar session had already put together, he's just taking the opposite view.
0: No, no, no. Oh, no, no Sorry, my no, so st- a mistake. Consistent view.
4: Uh, gotcha, gotcha, right. gotcha, gotcha.
0: And then a group of barristers, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, a ginger faction. Right. Well, I, I'm not. I, I, I am a group of barristers came out and said, "Look, we don't agree with that." Uh-huh. Right? But that's fine. They're allowed to do. That. And they're not only. The, I, I have absolutely no problem with that. Yes. Um, and they made certain statements about what their view of the law was, mm-hmm. uh, and their view of the changes. Um, yeah, I mean, my, I, I mean, I was asked to comment by various journals on it as in my defence lawyer's New South Wales hat, and I said, "I'm tired of constant law reform in this issue. Can we have a serious inquiry broader than this?" Sort of the same position I'm taking yeah. here. Yeah, mm. uh, and otherwise, let's wait and see what the what. What the law says. So these guys, I'll I'll leave it to Flick, I guess, to explain what they said in the letter, Mm. beyond what I've said.
2: Media release, New South Wales Barristers in Support of Attorneys' Sexual Assault Reforms, is the heading. The New South Wales Attorney-General, Mark Speakman, has recently announced proposed reforms of sexual assault laws to advance the principle of affirmative consent. The reform is intended to be linked to a broader education program for the community. At the core of the reform are two proposals, the ones that we've both discussed, um, that a person does not consent to sexual activity unless they said or did something to communicate the consent, and the second one, an accused person's belief in consent will not be reasonable in the circumstances unless they said or did something to ascertain consent. The letter goes on, in response, Michael McHugh SC, as president of the New South Wales Bar Association, has stated that the association strongly opposes the reforms as fundamentally misguided and likely to criminalise many respectful consensual sexual behaviours. We disagree. The reality is that barristers, like any other members of the community, are likely to have a range of views on a controversial topic like this. Recent years have confirmed that the current balance struck by sexual assault laws is not satisfactory. Something needs to be done. While the rights of the accused should not be lost, the interests of victims need better protection. We, like many barristers, believe the Attorney's reforms are sound in principle. We urge all interest groups to work with the New South Wales Government to fine-tune the points of detail of the Attorney-General's proposal, rather than resist a change that is likely, ultimately, to bring about better outcomes for the community as a whole.
1: It's pretty devoid of meaningful content, that statement. That's isn't? what I think. It doesn't engage not... with any of the main criticisms. It
2: doesn't engage with the detail, yeah. which is where the real discussion needs to be mm. had. So
1: I put out a discussion paper attached to your media statement. That would have more more substance, I think. So I,
0: I disagree. I take this as a statement of principle, which is we think that we need to move to this compelled speech, forced you know, model, whatever they, what's it called? Um,
2: affirmative, affirmative
0: consent, consent model. right? This affirmative, we take that as a principled approach to be better for society. That's what they're saying. I know, but and they're that,
1: responding to the Bar Association's position paper that made detailed and cogent sort of criticisms and all they basically respond and say is the interests of victims, you know, need better protection. It's like, well, how long's a piece of string? What does that mean? I mean, we would probably all accept that. It's all about the method mm. and,
0: you know, the destination. I mean, it's it's all... They're saying... The, the last line that you... What was the last line that you read out? It was... Um.
4: Uh, sorry, Felicity. We, like many barristers, believe the attorney the attorneys' reforms are sound in principle. We urge all interested uh, interest groups to work with the New South Wales government to fine tune the point of detail the points of detail of the Attorney General's proposal, rather than resist a change that is likely ultimately to bring about better outcomes for the community as a whole. Sorry, I had the sheet so, in my hand.
0: Uh, I mean, the way I read that is, it's time we move to an affirmative consent model. Damn the you know it, yeah. We're, just we're, trust we're, us. We what? know. No, no. No, look, sorry, we're, we're moving fundamentally away. We've had these common law rights that have served us well for millennia or at least for centuries. We now think they no longer work for whatever reason. We need to move away. And rights that you thought were fundamental may not be fundamental because we've got this problem and we think this is the best solution. Now, one may disagree with that. I think now, it's, culture war. I think it's culture war stuff. Well, maybe you We know, talked about know.
1: virtue signaling at the beginning. And that's what I think about a lot of this debate. It's people reacting according to broad cultural, social perspectives they have rather than engaging with the detail.
2: Mm, I think that's right. I mean, I bet if we got any one of these silks in or the Crown, Miko or, or the others on the list and actually had a debate with them about the detail and about these different factual scenarios that we presented... Uh, and and debated about how they work and whether we really whether they really think that someone should go to jail for conduct that um, where there is actual consent but there's deemed not to be and so on. I, I bet most, if not all of them, would acknowledge that no, that that shouldn't be within the. Scope of the criminal law. Or I can't would imagine
0: move. those people would have would have come to the view that they'd put their pen to paper like that without thinking about this deeply.
1: Mm. Well, I wonder if they if they would say you've got to break eggs to make omelette.
2: Yeah, maybe mm. maybe that's their attitude.
1: And they're not predominantly criminal lawyers, so you know their perspective is quite a different one to ours. Possibly.
0: Mm. I'm trying to think of other examples, moving away from sexual like control of sexuality in society where we have made fundamental changes to the law that have led to changes in the community through imprisonment it must have attracted. i mean the one punch laws are a bit
1: of an example maybe in the sense that there was this rash of one punch deaths in sort of central sydney they responded with a new criminal offense in its aggravated form which is assault causing death while intoxicated that carries a mandatory mm. minimum jail term of, what is it, five years or eight years or something. Mm. Um, it's got a mandatory minimum attached to it. It's got a mandatory minimum. <laughs> oh and that's that's a pretty close example to this, I think, in the sense that it's
2: it arises makes out it a little
1: easier to prove than manslaughter or murder. Mm, and it a arises very,
2: out of an almost singular case yep. that hit the media and engaged the public's yep. idea of...
1: Well, there was a string... There was, was
4: about a string of them. three two or three. two, of, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And it'll be interesting to to look into. Has that reduced the incidence of intoxicated young men in Central Sydney well, throwing punches at people that cause their death?
4: Certainly has in that area. No, no, I think yeah,
2: the, but that was all um, the regulatory stuff around liquor and lockouts. That. It was the foot traffic yeah. was What
0: reduced. about drink driving? There's a good example. Once yeah, that's time. what came
2: to my mind. Yeah, yeah so drink a drink driving. Thing. In so is sense. this?
1: I know, but the booze bus, as a regulatory measure, I think is what has pushed down drink driving and road-related deaths. No, that's right.
2: It's related the, to alcohol. Rather than it's the, the expectation of, the of being detected.
0: Exactly, accountability. If you were detected and nothing happened to you, then there'd be nothing. I mean, it has to be backed with the criminal law. I know, but I, this, I mean, this goes back to
1: no, what the, I
2: said
0: before. This is about the minutiae of elements.
2: And of also the fallacy offense. of deterrence. Like, deterrence theory only really works when you're talking about... People being deterred because they expect to be detected for something that is criminalised. It doesn't really work when you talk about are you going to get four years or five years?
0: Mm. Incremental changes okay. are not effective. Can I can I come back to the what your worship said about culture wars? <laughs> Thank
1: what, you for using my title. <laughs> what we
0: what we uh, culture wars is a really bad way. Well, is is a way of describing what is actually happening, which is a cultural change. That's what they're trying. That's what people genuinely believe that we need a cultural change where people talk to each other before they have sex. That's what it's, it's not a war. It's a,
1: it's a policy decision. Yeah. But some people would say in the sense of using the term culture war, that it's premised on views and understandings about victimhood over which minds differ. Sure. Well, there's no doubt about
0: that. Mm. Um, but sense of victimhood, I suppose. I, I assume that that our elected governments have come to the view that this is what's appropriate.
4: That's a weird one because of I just you know I just feel like there's this uh, uh, influx of transactional sex going on in society through Tinder and Grindr and all those other apps that have called for a response like this potentially. Also,
0: porn like. The, the amount of and I and I st- have suspected this in clients that I've represented, that they have been they they have struggled with porn, porn addiction mm. and the negative effects on their psyche that mm. pornography has mm. caused. That's a good. Point. I can't imagine what it's doing to seventeen-year-old boys who mm. have access to things mm. that I couldn't even begin to contemplate. Yeah, That's when I was twelve, point, yeah. that does have a psychological so porn's impact. It
1: an increase, apparently, in violent sex and simulation. For sure, that yeah, kind of you know sexual assault based slapping mm. and choking and apparently all of that has increased a lot I've read
0: yeah. and and we need this is why I'm I'm hesitant to be so dismissive I mean don't I've still got my underlying defense lawyer compelled speech is bad all that kind of sure. thing is inside me yeah. but our society has really is in the process of experiencing really big changes for example the effect of pornography for example Tinder transactional sex for example the effects of you know, being able to, of, of contraception and so on, and all of those sorts of things come into a head and the way we interact with each other has changed. Yeah.
1: But are you buying into a false premise that's used as part of the culture war there? Because I'm sure there would be other people out there that would say that sexual violence is not increasing, it's decreasing.
0: Yeah, maybe as it is. As is the
1: case with other violent crime. And it'd be interesting to look at those stats. Obviously reporting is increasing, so the statistics show an increase. But I wonder whether sexual violence is increasing in our society or decreasing, I wonder. I don't know. I mean, again... I would assume it's increasing.
0: Maybe maybe what we're experiencing is something far more harmful. Like, people who watch pornography and engage in the sorts of acts that are readily available to a child, to to a teenager on their mobile phone, may be doing harm to their psyches and their life... In a way that we don't understand,
2: and And normalising sexual violence so that there's more likely to be a lack of complaint. Yeah,
0: talking about sex
1: more, they're learning about sex at school. It's so much more open than it used to be. Yeah, there's two sides to this coin. But see, that's an argument. There's a big jump in sexual violence. Mate, if you interrupt me again,
0: I'll be <laughs> declaring a point of order,
1: I'll expel you from the meeting. No, no,
0: but look, that, but that's an argument oh, sorry, in, in favour of these, of these types of laws because if they are doing those things, then that is the culture that is already coming through. And the rest of us dinosaurs who are used to, you know, I'll buy you a drink and tell you that I'm a multimillionaire, be damned. Yeah,
4: but I reckon that this is an argument for um, uh, regulation of porn I think that there oh, should I'm, be, yeah. like, there yeah. should be. You know, then the the consumption of porn in Australia is never going to go away. But if you can regulate it to be safer, the distribution stream to be safer, you could have an impact on the psychological aspects that you're talking about. You
1: should only be able to buy it in Fishwick.
4: Not just that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that. BHS content. I'm talking about be the regulated. content should be regulated in mm-hmm. a sense that the government should accept the fact that it's not going to stop. Coming into the country, it's I think it's the eighth or seventh most visited website in Australia. These websites are the seventh most visited in the in the country that nobody ever talks about. So they
1: which websites are
4: they? The porn hubs and the the uh, the other ones. I can't remember the names of them, but they're the most porn hub. Just <laughs> write get that your phone out. out. Just just take <laughs> notes, Stephen. And the, and if they're regular it, and but there's there's lots of content that goes through that is not regulated. Is that hub is that- <laughs> and it's not regulated. If there's, if there can be regulated and 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 um, and say so you need a license to have this streamed into our country, if you pay for a license, we'll allow it, but we have to screen it first.
1: Screen it for what though? For violent, degrading sex?
4: Yeah, because I think there's a lot of problems with pedophilia and uh, activities like that 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 filter through because there's just no regulation, even from a from a corporate perspective.
1: And there could be an argument in that child porn's one thing, though. But are you saying they should screen out sexual pornography, or pornography that depicts? Uh, I don't know where I've walked into this one. Acts or something like that between like, adults. Yeah, choking mm. and slapping. And well, I mean,
4: look, we have a ratings board, you know, and we do, we do have, mm. we do regulate that in a you know uh, common media sense.
0: Yeah, it's a joke, right? Because TV, strictly, the internet, yeah. strictly, you can get. A truckload of what would be refused con- refuse. What is it? If it was packaged on a DVD rating, and sent out, of course you, you couldn't do it. You exactly. can download oh, all of it. Complete And I, I, my own view, and and this is a this is not one that I come to being someone who's really much in favour of free speech, yeah. is that all of that stuff should simply be banned, and it should be banned in the same way that China bans people. Putting websites in, we should have a firewall, and we should ban it. Yeah. And that is a really, really hard thing for me to say, and I say it because I've seen the effects. You know the policy outcomes. Well, I've seen I've seen the effects yeah. on my clients exactly. Who, and I, I'm not excusing anything that they've done. I know. But it is part of their of, of the reason why they're committing these crimes mm. yeah and I've got, I've got no medical evidence of that no I, but I can tell you just it's, I've done this for a long time it's manufactured their psyche it's manu- it's a big part of what's going mm. on in their yeah. brain there's a podcast I'd like to see the research on that well
4: there, can I yeah. point to a podcast by John Ronson called the Butterfly effect? It's really opened up my eyes to a lot of this and it's uh, it's a great... I, I highly recommend it to our Wigs listeners.
1: Is this moral panic stuff? That's what I sort of wonder.
4: Well, I mean...
1: Does every generation have this?
4: Make so? up your own mind, mate. That's what yeah. I say. Have a listen to the, to the butterfly effect and get back to me.
0: I mean, you've got to remember... You've got to remember that there are algorithms now that are designed to hook you in in ways that you can't imagine, uh, right? And those algorithms are feeding pornography to people. And so... Who knows what they're doing? The Facebook algorithm, for example, to move away from porn, it knows if you're manic depressive, right? It knows if you're about to go into a manic episode and it will serve you at that very moment an ad for gambling. Mm, Temptations. To tempt you. Mm, And so don't tell me the the Pornhub algorithm's as intelligent as that algorithm is and it can do the same thing to you. Mm -hmm. It's frightening.
3: Yeah. Mm,
4: Yeah. But and that look so to, to some in summation, you know, that's exactly what you're talking about. You you want a, a holistic educational approach to exactly. this. Let's not uh, be quick to amend the criminal law.
0: Well, let's let's talk about what the hell is going on in our society, yeah. and let's start from there, yeah, and and let's really get into it, yeah. Not this right, is mate.
2: another example of let's not resort to the lawyers first. That's right, you know, like and that's sort of. There's a social problem identified so commonly. It's let's have a royal commission. Let's get the lawyers involved. Let's have an inquiry. Mm. Let's get the lawyers involved. What change are we going to make to the law? What maximum penalty are we going to change? What element of an offence are we going to tweak or new offence we're going to create? And it's just the wrong it's place easy. to start.
1: It's easy. I wonder what schools teach on consent in sex education now. Mm. Do you reckon that's a big part of I would assume
0: so. Haven't yeah. you seen Stramo's video? No. The 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 there's a, there was a video that they put out. I haven't seen all of oh, them.
2: Oh, the milkshake whole, the
4: one. Milkshake oh, one. yeah. So not very well, Stephen. To in answer to your question.
2: Oh, oh that mm-hmm. was terrible. Yeah. What's the milkshake one?
4: It was. A, it, listen, it's just going to take another three hours to explain.
2: Just go and watch it. Just Google milkshake and consent.
4: Yeah, so, pretty much. You know, yeah, and in, prepare to have your mind blown.
0: The the thing about the royal commissions and. It, it, it fundamentally, to my mind, is a problem with our government at the moment, mm. small g government. And what it is, is that we no longer have ministers who make decisions about mm. anything. Anything. It, well, oh, we'll get an inquiry. We'll get an... If it's not sure. a lawful inquiry, yeah. we'll get a consultant in. Yeah. So what the hell are we paying you for? Yeah. I'm like not a, I don't make decisions. social policy. Yeah, it's like, hang it's like on we We've a got a problem with right? suicide,
1: or we've got a problem with institutional yeah. responses. Yeah. Let's get a judge to... Let's legalise it. Let's create this legal process. There's far too many of them.
0: Sure. Instead, stand up and say, I think that we need to change society in this way and change it. And I will respect that. Yeah, be bold. Yeah. Even if I disagree with it. But it's hard to respect something that's piecemeal. We have an inquiry every other bloody year and do some other piecemeal change.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Don't put my job at risk just because you want me to make a decision.
1: So, well, let's get through the upper house. Do you think these reforms... They probably will, won't they? Because labor will probably support them. I would have thought.
0: Mm. I don't know. But well, we'll see. What I mean, maybe, maybe what comes out is sensible, but I, I don't think it will be, and it'll be interesting because I, I can't imagine any politician able to stand up to this. The Telegraph has run a campaign to have the law. Oh, they have to what yeah. it to be what it is, um, and it will be very difficult for any politician to to stand up. So it'll come down to the drafting. Mm. Um, but in a sense, perversely if you want to if you want to look at it that way, one ho- I mean I hope if they're going to do it they do it. I don't want to see some other piecemeal rubbish thing that leaves everybody not understanding what the hell the law is which is I think the we're all operating well I think that there's this I think people come to this with like they don't really mean what they say. They don't really want to make this change, mm. right? We know, But they're going to put safeguards. It's not going to be this big change that you're talking about. And that is like, well, what are we doing there? Yeah. Are we just fooling the, the, the survivors' advocates groups? Are we just placating them and placating the telegraph? If that's what this is. Yeah. That's disgusting. Yeah, If it really is a policy change, fine. Mm. I, I'm not sure that I agree with it, but I'm not sure that I disagree either. I, I think something yeah. needs to be done. But. Yeah,
4: something needs to be done. But that's what you said, Flick. It's a virtual signal.
2: Yeah, and I think part of it, people who are in positions of power, I think, really need to confront whether they would change their behaviour or not in a sexual relationship in light of what they're proposing and how they would change their behaviour. Because presumably many members of parliament consider themselves to have healthy sexual relationships with a partner and...
4: And they may not be.
2: Well, they may be proscribed by the criminal law under these reforms, Mm. even though they might consider them to be healthy, respectful, consensual sexual relationships.
1: And are they thinking they're just creating laws for other people?
2: Exactly. Are Mm. they just thinking we're sitting in our tower proclaiming for the others. Mm. And we'll never be touched by this because we're powerful and, you know, my wife or my husband isn't going to complain against me because we have, you know, a loving, trusting, healthy relationship. So it's not going to affect me. Mm. And if if that's what's going on, that's really dangerous.
0: Yeah. Surely they're not that silly. I mean the the the
2: Well, I challenge them all to think Uh, about whether they would change their behaviour or not in light of what they're proposing.
1: Who was the politician who voted on the offence that they were subsequently convicted of, who voted to create the offence? And the court took that into account as an aggravating feature? (laughs) Do you remember that? I don't, but that's (laughs) great. (laughs) Um, It might have been a client of mine in the Solomons, maybe, I think. The... (laughs)
2: Can't remember where it was. So they created a they law. Voted, they boasted
1: they voted for the law. Mm-hmm. It was a criminal offence that mm-hmm. applied to some aspect of public administration. Then they committed the corrupt act in breach yeah. of the offence and then the sentencing judge took it into account as an aggravating factor that you <laughs> voted to create the offence. You're offense. on notice. You're on notice. Well and truly on notice. There so are... these parliamentarians are well and truly on notice.
0: Absolutely they are. There are plenty of people there are plenty of people I imagine who can have two drinks and drive a car without really any risk. I'm
1: great at pool after two beers.
0: I'm saying, I'm saying. But we have a law that prohibits that. And there was a time where people would have been outraged by that imposition on their liberty. But we generally accept as a society now that that's a good idea to the point where if you happen to suggest to somebody, I'd be happy to take the risk to have a bottle of wine with my wife and drive home, you are seen as absurd. But that's a process that's taken 40 years.
2: Except that we've just introduced laws to say you don't even have to go to court for drink driving anymore. Mm.
0: Yeah, but you still lose your so, licence and you cop a fine. And I'm saying, I mean, the, 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 my, my point is not, I mean, i take you what you're saying, that we, we went too far perhaps at the start. Or well, we I don't know whether we did or not, but or the not.
2: government has said, yeah. you know, if you have two beers and you drive and you're over the limit, you're not even going to be facing any cr- possibility mm. of a criminal conviction?
0: Sure, but it's still we've still changed the nature of the relationship between your liberty to have a drink yeah. and drive. Yeah. We, that that has changed. And I know, because I remember talking to a few old men who were really upset about yeah. that, you know we can drive home, blah blah, blah. And those people are seen as absurd now. And mm. maybe forty years from now, people who say, people will look back and say, oh, God, people used to have sex with their wives without asking them before they did it. Like, what the hell's wrong with them? Maybe. Mm, maybe, right? yeah. Maybe. And, and that may be... But, but I come back to if that's really what we're talking about, why the hell aren't we talking about it?
2: Well, I think if that's... You know, I think more evidence needs to be collected about the range of sexual activities and scenarios in which they occur where there is in fact consent and it's not communicated and there needs to be some evidence base to say, for example, psychologists saying that's harmful to the person. We
1: need a royal commission mm-hmm. into sexual facts.
0: No, what we need is a group of people who are elected who can come and meet in one place and represent a whole bunch of other people and talk about it. They could parlay, <laughs> we could call it parliament. That sounds very Greek. Yeah, well, oh, yeah. We could, no, no, we could call it Parliament. Pa- oh, right. pa- what's their use it sort of English kind of name? And they could talk about what their views were and be honest and frank and not fearful of media. I is your idealistic. Isn't that? <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> I mean, and we could pay them, you know, $200,000 a year to do that, maybe. All right, you're All out right. of order. All right. Look, Whigs, your concern is very
4: much on the record. Uh, and, uh, look, I've been enlightened. We'll be back after this break. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. And that was heavy, but it was worth it. Uh, This is Jim Min's the host. I didn't introduce myself at the start. So uh, thank you for uh, letting me be the host. (laughs) We're Moving on to fun things, ladies and gentlemen. We miss her. Who am I going to do? Who am I going to do first? Do
0: his worship. Okay, his worship.
4: Fun thing. What do you got?
1: Uh, I've had a lot of fun things lately. But my fun thing today is this morning I joined a press conference with uh, John Barillara, the Deputy Premier. Dougald Saunders MP, our local MP for Dubbo. The Treasurer, Dominic Perrottet. The Attorney General, Mark Speakman. Oh, yeah. To make an announcement uh, that Dubbo is getting a drug court.
3: Hey! Congratulations.
1: So, good. so, $28 million announcement, four years of the funded drug court. Brilliant. And that's something that there's been a big community push for, for the best part of 10 years so in Dubbo. So Congratulations, I mate. i ran good. three election campaigns. Yeah. With that sort of is the central part of them. I lost two of them. That's all right. I moved on from that.
0: Yeah, but you won the court, mate. But I won the drug You court, won man, the so war. Yeah. And the people's lives who are going to be improved by that, like genuinely decades, centuries of people's lives. Yeah. 100%. So it's amazing. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well Absolutely. done. Yeah.
2: Congrats, Huge mate. Investment, That's
4: so, fantastic. And it was today, the day that we're today. recording. Yeah. So just in time for fun things. Congratulations. Emmanuel Kirkasharian, Been a while. I'm in New Zealand.
0: What? Yeah. Yep. What's going on? I'm here in New Zealand. When and I got, i won't how? tell you how much, but I got the most outrageously priced, cheap, business class flights to New Zealand. Beautiful. It cost me like nothing. Okay. And I'm going for a week. I had a ten week trial fall out of my diary, um, and so I jumped on a plane. When? Hang well, on. I haven't jumped on a plane when yet. When are you but I'm going? In two weeks. Assuming I don't get COVID. Assuming there's
4: no in. bubble collapse. Um, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Fantastic. And where are you going? North South, We're Zealand, flying to South Auckland Island. and we have absolutely no other plans than that as yet. We'll figure it out.
4: I, the I used to work in New Zealand for a little bit. Um, and right.
2: With uh, uh, with, Jacinda. I'll, I'll Jacinda. let you know. Can you it,
4: let her know that I'm coming? Uh, Jacinda, I know you're a listener you listen of this show. Um, nice. It's me, your old pal, Jimmy. <laughs> um, my, my mate Manny's going over there, so please look after him. Sure. Like you did me because um, uh, she showed me the, the whole country and it was fantastic. So, so, Manny, it's a great place. You're going to enjoy it. You ever wait. been there
0: before? Never been there before. Oh, oh my God. It's so really the best country. It. Oh, yeah.
4: Far out. It's like Australia in,
0: in the 80s. <laughs> awesome.
4: Yeah, yeah. Australia sure. was
0: good in the 80s.
4: <laughs> Peak <laughs> Australia. <laughs> That's my
1: impression driving through rural parts of the North Island. But I love Auckland.
4: It's I remember it's driving cool. through the yeah, North true. Island going, this place is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And people cool. from the North Island going, just wait till you get to the South Island. And then you're like, oh, my God. It's even better.
1: I spent New Year's Eve on Great Barrier Island uh, one year, and my friend Nicola, who I spent that New Year's Eve with, is a listener to the weeks. Hey, Hi. Nicola, how you Hi. going?
4: Hi. Uh, and, oh go <laughs> uh, and oh my God, Wellington! I just love Wellington. Go to Wellington.
1: Well, we've only got a week, oh, okay. so you know. I love Wellington. Small town dear Dubbo, you know it well, don't you?
4: Oh yeah, I, that oh, well, yeah, yeah. I
0: was there. I was there a few months ago. There you go, <laughs>
4: Felicity Graham.
2: Okay, I've got two fun things, if that's permitted. yeah, oh, we permit
4: it today. No, it's, it's out of
0: order. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
4: I permit. Overall.
2: I went snorkelling the other day. <laughs> Whoa.
4: In, Must
2: have been cold. Yeah. Oh, Beautiful. In a wetsuit, right. so you don't feel the cold. Uh, I saw turtles. Yeah. Wobbegong sharks. Beautiful. Starfish, heaps of fish, heaps of cool fish. Just off, um, just off Byron Bay.
0: Hey, good spot. There's
1: heaps of sharks up
2: there. Hmm.
0: That was one of my fun things that I missed was None actually seeing Felicity just south oh, of Byron yeah. Bay. Oh, you guys met up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I
4: Lenny remember seeing that visited on the week's yeah. chat. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Thanks for the Lenny's invite head. guys.
2: It's paradise. Oh yeah. So, don't yeah. Tell anyone about it.
4: So <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> yeah. Don't broadcast it or anything. What's your second fun thing? <laughs> my
2: second fun thing is and hopefully we can time the drop of this episode, not to spoil the surprise, but we're having a surprise birthday party for my mum on the weekend. Shh.
3: No
4: one's said <laughs> anything. She's fantastic. Yeah. And, right. so it's going
2: to be awesome. <laughs> cool. And cool. she cool. is a big fan of the wigs. Oh, except
4: for my swearing, I, I know. No, but
2: she loves that you beep it out now.
4: Oh, you, you're welcome, by the way. And happy it's birthday, Mrs. Graham. Happy birthday right. to right. my yeah. mum. Yeah. yeah, happy birthday. That's great. I remember doing a shout out to her birthday in years gone past. Yeah.
2: Maybe. She hates yeah. the swearing too.
4: Well, I'll make sure I, I f- bleep the s out of it. Don't worry. <laughs> happy birthday
3: beep,
4: beep. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna beep it all right give me a break i
0: love oh, it, I love it.
4: Right, hey it. who's gonna ask me my fun thing
0: yeah, jim. Well, <laughs> jim what's your, sorry sorry you
4: worship hey so we now have a connection to the leader of the opposition on the weeks. oh, what's oh. That?
3: well i'm related.
4: he's my brother i'm related to him surprisingly <laughs> and and i apologize not that leader of the opposition um no no i'm talking about the guy in victoria that everybody loves
1: <laughs> oh, Peter O'Brien, he found out that he's your long-lost brother. He's, he's a, a distant
4: loser. of mine. Anyway, don't tell anyone.
1: Mr. 17%.
4: Yeah, is well, there we're trying. in, in New South Wales?
1: Yeah, believe it or not. Okay,
4: ladies and gentlemen, that is a fantastic.
1: <laughs> a We've got to go end. back to that. Tell us your fun thing properly.
4: Yeah, no, Chris got the leader of the opposition uh, role. He worked really hard. Yeah, yeah congratulations tra- to Chris. Congratulations to him. Um, obviously, I'm very biased in that. Uh, it was a great victory for him. Uh, knowing the guy, uh, 36 years, uh, I know that uh, he's worked very hard to be. Uh, you know, a uh, 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 very admirable person.
1: Anyway. and he, uh,
0: he hasn't muzzled you. I mean, that's an well, interesting choice. Well, not yet. You probably will after he, today. Yeah, um, he's definitely the
1: spiritual godfather of the Whigs in a way, isn't he? Because it was only because oh, of his yes. leadership campaign. That's right. His strategic you went to decision the, to go to, the to stars, with the Stars. That's in, right. the stars yep. in orange. That we all met.
4: Yeah. Well, yes. me, me and you met. Mm. You and I met. And then, yeah, that was that's how the Whigs, according to the Sydney Morning Herald, that's how the Whigs... Launched. Mm. So anyway, he finally got there two years later. He finally got there and uh, and now it's game on for 2023 for him. And obviously I'll be heavily involved. And it'll be interesting to see how the Whigs uh, incorporates some reform ideas to the new opposition mm. and hopefully the new government, if we can get that way.
1: He's made a good start too, I reckon.
4: Well, let's see
1: if it can continue. He hasn't continue. come to Dubbo yet, though. Like he's had God, a, no, week, mate. a week, Introduced week, 10 mayor. days. Mm. Goodness. Funny people from Dubbo have been commenting on his Facebook. Saying, so, when are you coming to Dublin? <laughs> and hey, I've I been can replying go. replying, saying, keep up the pressure that's on right. That's
4: right. <laughs> do you want me to go and just go? Hey, at least there's No, we there's want one Chris to come.
1: Here. All right, fine. We no will.
4: stand-ins. We want the real thing. <laughs> all right. Well, look, wigs. It's so good to have you all back together. I can't wait to do it again in another three years. Hopefully, we can do it sooner. Sooner. Okay, great. Thank you, everyone, and good night.
2: Good night.
1: Good
4: night. Good night.
2: Thanks for listening. Please like The Wigs on Facebook at The Wigs Podcast. Don't forget to rate and review on iTunes.
4: Hey, it's Jim Mins here. For the final time, I just want to remind you all that you can also follow us on Twitter at Wigs Podcast. And it is there that you can send us your
0: questions and we'll answer them on the next episode. This podcast was brought to you by Minimum Productions. Produced by Jim Minns.